4: All right, it's another film study. It is Know Your Foe time as we look forward to Week 5 and uh, the Bengals coming to town. Ken McCusick, how are you doing?
5: Life's good, Josh. How about you?
4: I'm doing good. I, uh, I'm excited for this game because, you know, people weren't—the Chiefs game, obviously people weren't happy. A lot of mixed feelings from the uh, Washington football team. Now we get to move on to a divisional rivalry and joining us to talk about the Bengals— is matt minnick who uh writes and podcasts and whatever for cincy jungle matt welcome to
6: film study
5: glad to be here thanks matt we've heard all kinds of good things about you being a x and o's guy you go by guy at coach minnick on twitter is that correct and that's spelled m-i-n-i-c-h yep okay wonderful give matt a follow and uh I'm, i'm sure he'll answer your your bengals questions without uh uh you know any of the the uh, other rivalry kind of trolling that will go with that normally or often does. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have you here, Matt. We want to talk a little bit about the Bengals off season to start with. Uh, we usually do. Uh, biggest acquisitions starting this off season, And we'll like, save the draft for last so I know who the biggest acquisition is.
6: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We know who the biggest one is. But uh, in terms of free agency, the first basically day of free agency came and went and the Bengals didn't do anything. And there've been a lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of hype. Zach Taylor came in late last, uh, the the previous year, um, because he was coaching the Super Bowl with the Rams. So the coaching staff wasn't in place. And the word was that they were kind of went with the guys they had and and didn't really want to go out there and spend a lot of money on free agents until the new coaching staff had, had really evaluated these guys. But, Here we were a a day into free agency and and nothing was happening. So there was a lot of uh, negativity in Bengals Twitter. Oh, here we go, same old Bengals. Uh, But then they went on a spending spree. Uh, And really they they made some major improvements on the defense, adding DJ Reeder uh, to a major contract, Trey Waynes, who unfortunately uh, is on IR, and uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Those are kind of the big three right away. They, they spent a good amount of money, particularly on Reeder and Waynes, trying to uh, get that defense back to where it needs to be. Uh, a little bit later in free agency, they added Von Bell as a safety. They considered him kind of a luxury pick. that They were surprised he was around, surprised they could afford him, uh, but they were able to add him. They've also got Sean Williams uh, as strong safety who returns, who they were comfortable with, but, but they added Bell. Uh, and and kind of shifted, uh, shifted him into that role. Uh, and then the, the the last big name they added to the defense is a familiar one to Ravens fans, and that's Josh Bynes. Yep. So, Bynes, a bit of a journeyman, a little bit older, and um, as as Ravens fans know, you know, not not an elite player, but definitely one that can come in and, and, and do some things for you and, and fill some gaps. And Bengals are very young at linebacker, as we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, and he has been a a mentor to that group, um, and actually is is a is a team captain. Uh, so you know he earned that respect and you know, that that gratitude uh, from the the defensive
5: players. Uh, yeah, let me stop you for a second because Josh Bynes is a player I absolutely loved last year. Great, great, exactly what the Ravens needed in terms of a two down run stopper did a great job in terms of being a platoon linebacker because it means you, you know obviously you can bring in a dime back. Fort could stay on the field for a lot of uh, those dime back situations a better cover guy but Bynes was really very impressive right off the bat in terms of his ability to know what's going on behind him in terms of route combinations and he had a pick Actually, he had two picks during the season. He had another PD early on. And that was exactly what the Ravens' defense was missing. They rebuilt. In fact, they flushed the entire inside linebacker core after week four and brought Bynes and Ford in. And that was part of an astounding in-season rebuild for the 2019 Ravens. So I, I thought it was ridiculous not to resign him at the, at the price he went to the Bengals.
6: Yeah, and, and the Bengals are happy to have him. Um, and you know, at that linebacker position, they've got a lot of youth. Uh, outside of Bynes, uh, they've got Jordan Evans, who's um, still on his rookie contract. He's a, he's a few years in, though. They've got Jermaine Pratt, who started the last half of last year. And then they've got some rookies, and those rookies are, are playing a lot. You, you talk about platoon and linebackers. They've got uh, those guys playing on third downs. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, almost getting into the draft right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I think Bynes kind of fills a, a similar role and definitely fills a, a bit of a leadership void at that position uh, just with all of the youth they had. Matt, the we, we love
5: talking to you, by the way. Go in whatever order you like. I've, <laughs> I've laid out a little order here, but if you want to talk about draft picks because it's appropriate with other inside linebackers, do your thing.
6: So the other, the, the other linebackers we'll talk about are uh, Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither, the Bengals' third and fourth round picks. So Logan Wilson was a guy that Bengals had a second round grade on. They were... Uh, a, Kind of a run of linebackers uh, late in the second round and, and they were happy to get him at the top of the third uh, he's looked pretty good and, and he's uh, developing nicely you know not making the same mistakes twice coming along in these first few weeks the Bengals are really platooning those guys uh, as as he termed it they've got Bynes and Jermaine Pratt on first and second down and then they've been putting Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither in on third down Wilson missed last week uh, with a concussion so not clear what his status is. Uh, I believe they're going to try and work him into position groups. It was, was uh, what Zach Taylor said uh, on Wednesday. And we'll see if he is out there for that game. But uh, you know, rookie out of Wyoming, I think he had like 10 career picks uh, in college. So wow. real good pass defender, defender especially in zone, has a real good – feel for those uh, things in zone. And Akeem Davis Gaither, I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to your podcast are, are draft guys. And, and of course, uh, he was, he was uh, a very popular draft crush this year out of Appalachian State. Uh, really played kind of a hybrid edge, strong safety, almost nickel corner type of position in college. But the Bengals are turning him into more of a true off the ball linebacker. Uh, so, you know, looking forward uh, to getting those guys in there on third downs. We're, we're definitely seeing those guys uh, start to to progress uh, The other big free agent acquisition uh, that they made was Xavier Suofilo. uh Comes in a guard. They were hoping I think fans were hoping to see a lot more changes on the offensive line uh, unfortunately, that was that was the only real one they made um, and He played in the first game was injured and now he's on IR. So that has created a, a bit of an issue at the uh, right guard position, and uh, you know that's something we'll, we'll we'll talk about when we get uh, more into the O line. Uh, but in terms of like guys that, that they were hoping would uh, would develop and step up, I think that was kind of the idea on the offensive line. Uh, Jonah Williams was their rookie first round pick in 2019. I believe the 11th overall selection out of Alabama he has looked uh, very good but he's, he's still young you know so he, he looks promising every once in a while he does some freakish things pick, picking up blitzes off the edge uh, just what he can do athletically uh, so he, he looked good uh, but had missed that whole whole year so even though he's, he's in year two he's uh, coming up on game five here and uh, at left guard, Michael Jordan was a, a rookie late round pick for them last year, who ended up taking over the starting role, and, and they are very high on. He has been a little bit rough this year, though. Uh, we haven't seen him take the step forward uh, that, that we would like to see. So uh, that creates really an issue at, at both guard positions that those guys are underachieving uh, a little bit.
5: Let's, up, let's take a step back for a second. When I talk about development, guys, one of the things I want to know about is how the Bengals are planning ahead to sign their franchise cornerstones long term. So, Bengals have a number of fourth-year players. You mentioned Jordan Evans already, but Carl Lawson—he's a huge fourth-year player who I don't—he's not. I assume he's not extended yet. Correct?
6: No, he's not. Uh, William Jackson is another huge one mm-hmm. uh, that they're going to have to figure out, and, and obviously those are at premier positions. Uh, Lawson hasn't been an every down guy but his skill set as a as a pass rusher is going to make him a very very valuable commodity if he does hit the market. so uh, both of those guys you know could be could be difficult for them uh, to be able to to bring back uh, just you know financially I think they, I think they can' afford it, but it's how much are they going to be willing to pay for those guys?
5: Right. And Joe Mixon is in year four. Has he, uh, Mixon got his contract yet?
6: Yes, they extended him
5: during camp. Okay, so that's that's great. And then, of course, coming up at, after this offseason will be the first chance to extend Jesse Bates. I assume they're going to look at that pretty seriously pretty soon.
6: Yeah, I would definitely think so. Um, he had a rough game against the Browns, missed a bunch of tackles. Uh, but that's not why you draft Jesse Bates. You draft him to make plays on the football. And, uh, and he's definitely been doing that. Uh, he's had th- three picks... Uh, each of his first two seasons and uh, he has been I believe the top rated uh, top graded, excuse me uh, safety by PFF over the last two weeks so bounced back hmm. nicely from from that all right and then the big uh, name uh, too is, is AJ Green so A- AJ Green is uh, the he, they franchise tagged him for this year so for what they're currently getting out of him uh, you know the, the figure they're paying him is is definitely not worth it, and we're going to, have to kind of see where they go with that at, at the end of the year. Um, as we look at look to the draft and, and not getting to the guy that we're going to talk a lot about yet, but T. Higgins uh, is a guy who has really stepped up as a rookie, and right now, although he's not getting as many reps as AJ, he really looks like that number two receiver in the way he's contributing. And you know the way the way he's getting open and, and the rapport that he's starting to build with Joe Burrow, uh, he's really moving into that role. AJ is is having some some trouble, and you know, a lot of the reports out of Cincinnati are you well. Know, he hasn't you know he hasn't lost his step. He's just a little rusty. He's a rep guy. He needs to get his his reps. Uh, so they've been very positive about that. But you know as the weeks go along, it's getting a little a little bit harder to to uh, believe that. Uh, he doesn't seem like like the same guy right now and um, you know I, I think he I think he can still be a very good player in this league but I think the role that they have cast him in and, and what he has been for for so long I'm not, I'm not sure that that's what his future
5: is well where they are with AJ Green he's got a 44% cash rate this year and I would question I guess in part, what his value is if they were to trade him but aren't the bengals a team that would consider at this point trading some of their players who are either older uh and and obviously they have they have to be some sort of producer still or uh maybe even were at the end of the first year contract where they didn't think they could afford to resign them uh if they if there was a taker out there
6: you know that that's something that frustrates fans because they they don't tend to be sellers, Uh, you know, they they haven't been able to get those kinds of deals done. And I mean, you look at, you look at Andy Dalton last year and they they didn't even give him the option to seek a trade, even though they were, they were benching him uh, around midseason. They they benched him. Basically they told him the day at the, uh, um, the day of the trade deadline. So they ended up getting nothing off of him and and cutting him after holding him up for a while, trying to see if they can move him in the off season. Uh, So it hasn't really been their, their thing to do that, but yeah, I mean, if you're not going to bring back Carl Lawson, you know, if, if you, if you're talking to his agent and you know, that number is not going to be where you want it to be. There's there's definitely a playoff team that would love to have that rotational piece come in there uh, for for a playoff run, you know, William Jackson, you know, somebody has an injured corner or something. If you're not going to sign him, they could, they could definitely uh, use a guy like that, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's sort of things in the cart, especially for AJ, because this this club shows a lot of loyalty to AJ Green and for for all the negatives, you know, of of being a, a small town club and a family owned club that you know you, you kind of get a a little bit of a negative vibe from that sometimes. Uh, they are they are loyal and they and they take care of their own people. You know, the the Bengals get a. Bad rap about being cheap, but they are not cheap with, uh, with resigning their own players. You know, they, they, they've been a little bit cheap with going out and getting other players, but they they do tend to uh, show loyalty and, and take care of their own. And you know, would they trade AJ if he wasn't comfortable with the situation? Like, I I don't know. You know, I think they would give AJ the you know the right to to examine it and, and make that determination for himself.
5: Okay, so the, the Bengals are sitting right now at something like 10th in the league, might be 11th in terms of available cap space, which is not the important number for them, obviously, that they have $10 million a cap, other than they'd probably like to push that, those cap dollars forward into 2021, like all NFL teams right now, given the reduced COVID cap next year, those dollars would be worth more. Well, the Bengals also are 8th next year, as I see it on OTC right now, with $27 million uh the Ravens obviously a competitor in the division have 44 million currently relative to that to that base some big contracts to sign it sounds like the Bengals have a couple of big ones to sign too. and looking through the fourth year players uh you know it's Lawson it's Jackson uh uh don't know who else I guess maybe it's Bates a year early and I would say Brandon
6: Wilson's a big one. who returned to kickoff for a touchdown against the Ravens last year? You'll, you'll remember him from that, right? I remember. Uh, but, but yeah, he he led the league last year in kickoff return yardage. So probably not a, a, a big money guy as a as a reserve safety and a and a kickoff returner. But but he would be a priority guy for for them.
5: All right, Alex Redmond. Do they are they have any interest in really retaining him, or do they think they just move on just as easily with a draft pick?
6: Um, I mean, Redmond is a guy who's stepped in last week to the right guard spot which has been a little bit of musical chairs this year uh and and they played pretty well and he kind of solidified it so i i think we'll see how how it goes with him the rest of the year uh although i i would like to think that they're, they're going to look to as they remade the defense last year uh remake the problem hopefully both lines but <laughs> really remake the uh the offensive line next offseason I, I would hope that'd be where they prioritize putting their money
5: Okay, and I know this name hasn't come up, so I don't think he's on the Bengals' radar to resign necessarily, but John Ross, obviously a first-round pick uh, four years ago. Is he still a guy they may be retaining?
6: I doubt it. Uh, John Ross has been a healthy scratch the last two weeks. Um, wow. Against Did the Browns, that. he had two targets, one of which a little bit up in the air, and I didn't feel like he put great effort into, into coming down with. And the other was he was on a drag route and it didn't look like he was expecting the ball to even come. Uh, So I'm not sure that he's really even on the same page. And, you know, the coaches are are saying the positive lines. Oh, you know, we we like how we responded in practice. You know, a lot of things go into that stuff. (laughs) You know, they're they're saying all those things uh, right now, but uh, it's definitely not looking good for for Ross in his future. And, yeah, if somebody wants to, you know, take a risk on that speed, that would definitely be a a guy – I would, I would think they'd be willing to move.
5: And the traditional number for a guy like that, and I don't think this would look very good for the organization, would be something like a seventh-round pick at this point. Uh, it wouldn't be much higher than that. I think we'd agree on somebody like John Ross, maybe, maybe a conditional sixth. But I don't. I don't think it's the kind of guy you you get a fourth for or a fifth for at this point with you know only a year left on his contract.
6: Yeah, yeah. With only you know only a year and and we haven't seen any kind of solid production out of him. I mean, you, you look at the beginning of last year, he's healthy for a few games and they managed. You know, he he made some big plays for them. You know, he kept him in some of those games in September when they weren't a very good team. Uh, but but they completed a couple of bombs to to him and, and it kept him uh, available in games. So, um, I think he's a guy that. You know like the Patriots the Patriots have been pretty good at this in the past I think it's a guy that needs to go to a talented team that doesn't really need him you know where he's kind of a luxury piece mm-hmm. and they need to protect him and, and save him for the playoffs and for games that for games that they need uh so you know the kind of guy that will disappear it'll frustrate you and your fantasy team because uh they're playing a divisional game that they need to win, and, and he, <laughs> he has a couple big plays, and then he disappears for three weeks. Uh, you know, I look at the Patriots. I thought th- the Patriots did a great job with that, with uh, with like Danny Amendola, um, you know, who was guy struggled to stay healthy healthy when he was with other teams, uh, but but they kept him healthy and, and they had him in the playoffs, and he and he did some good things for them. All right,
5: all right. Well, you talked a little bit about T. Higgins. Let's let's talk about the guy we haven't talked about—the elephant in the room.
6: All right, so Joe Burrow um like everything's as advertised right now. Uh very efficiently running the offense, making some mistakes, but you know, not not boneheaded crazy mistakes for the most part and when he does those, you know, you don't you don't tend to see them again. Uh but he has kept these uh, this team in in these close uh games. In the early part of the season, um, you know, and you look at the Browns. I mean, they, they came back a- against the Browns uh, who were running the ball all over the place on them. Uh, you know, largely with uh, with Burrow throwing the ball over the place. Uh, it reminds me a little bit if people that watched uh, the Thursday night game, the first Thursday night game of the year where, where you're watching Deshaun Watson and you're like, mm-hmm. why this guy is so good? Why is nobody helping him out? <laughs> uh, you get a little bit of that vibe. Uh and, you know, not so much last week when they when they put things together and came up with a win, but those first couple of weeks, there, there there were some drop balls from receivers. Uh, there was the, the O line giving up a, a, a number of sacks and pressures, which uh, w- which hurt him. But I mean, he's he's got the juice, you know, he, he's he's definitely he's definitely got it. Uh, the only issue right now that they, they've had is really connecting on deep balls. Um, and and in, look arm strength was a question mark with him I don't think that's an that's the issue uh, it's just some of the, some of the communication is off on these things where you know, it's like he th- he's throwing a back shoulder and AJ's not looking for that or uh, he, you know he's he's leading uh, T Higgins and T Higgins is, is stopping short on it so I think they're just not quite on the same page with uh, with some of those things yet
5: now what I've seen is he's been unbelievably good on the intermediate passes the, the 10 to 20 yard throws
6: Yes, I believe uh, I don't know if it's Pro Football Weekly, but somebody somebody ranked him. Uh, you know, he's, he's one of the top ranked guys in the league uh, on those intermediate throws, and yeah, yeah, he's done an excellent job on those. And um, you know, there was the CJ Uzama touchdown on, on Thursday Night Football against the Browns was the their only pass uh, completed of over twenty yards. Uh, in the season but then you look at it and there's like a bunch of 19 yard passes right so uh so yeah i mean yeah it's right in that middle range has been good but
5: uh they definitely need to figure out how to stretch the feud a little bit all right all right well i'm you know we certainly didn't never like to see another great quarterback come into the division and i'm pretty sure burrow is that and after one week i wasn't sure about mayfield anymore now i'm (laughs) again i my concern level has been raised again but uh uh anyway we are where we are that's uh that's great let's talk now a little bit about the rest of the offense in terms of what they bring talk, take us through the wide receiver core why don't you take us through the offensive line first that's where we, where i like to start anyway
6: yeah i mean i think offensive line is always the best place to start and you know I'm, I'm one of those people that uh when i'm watching film i, I skip to the tight shot and i go back to the white because you know unless you know how they're blocking it it doesn't doesn't really matter but Uh, Trey Hopkins is the center. He was their best offensive lineman last year, uh, by far. He struggled a little bit in some of these early games, uh, but he's kind of starting to balance out a little bit. He had a 72, uh, roughly a 72 uh, pass blocking grade from uh, Pro Football Focus this weekend. So kind of getting him back to to where he needs to be. Uh, I touched on the left side of the line a little bit already with uh, Michael Jordan is the left guard. He is a second year player. Uh, positive trajectory in his rookie year, and this year is not as uh you know fizzled out and has not taken the steps he needs to. Uh, Jonah Williams, eleventh overall pick in 2019 at left tackle, and, and he looks like he's going to be the franchise left tackle that that they are looking for. Um, would like to like to see him develop uh you know throughout the course of the year, but you know as long as that that stuff comes along like it should, uh, he should be a, a nice little centerpiece for them. The right side is the issue. Uh, they've got Bobby Hart at right tackle. He is, if you if you pay any attention to uh, Bengals Twitter, Bengals fan Twitter, he is the number one Whipping person boy. they're going to blame for anything. Yep. Um, and I will post clips sometimes of Jonah Williams making a great block, and people will comment, oh, man, Bobby Hart's terrible on this. And he's not. <laughs> like, it's actually a pretty good rep from Bobby Hart, uh, but we just love to blame Bobby Hart for things. Look, he's not great, like, and and he's not good. He's not what you want at that position. Uh, that's the number one thing that they should be doing uh, this offseason is, is looking to address the right tackle position. However, um, first week it wasn't. You know, first week wasn't good. The last few weeks, he's playing about as good as he can. You know, and, and he is he is peak Bobby Hart right now, which, uh, like I said, not what you want. But if he can keep playing at the level he is, he's not going to be the reason they're losing football games. So definitely a guy you're, you're looking to replace. Uh, but he has been playing at a, at a, at a pretty high for him uh, on his scale level so far uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, at right guard, it was supposed to be Xavier Suofilo, who started, uh, I think, five or six games for the Cowboys last year. Um, and uh, he got hurt. He got hurt first game of the year. Uh, he's on IR. No no telling when he's coming back. Uh, Billy Price, former first-round draft pick, came yep. in for him, did not look good. Uh, the next game, they, the next two games, actually, they started Fred Johnson. He got benched after game three. Um, and then uh, in game four, they went with Alex Redmond, uh, who he actually he had been sticking around for a while. They actually cut him. Uh He had a he didn't do much during camp because he had a, a wrestling injury somehow in the off season, like uh, like a
5: full round wrestling I, injury. Or did he actually do some pro I, wrestling of some sort? I, you
6: know what? It was like like he's another guy that the Bengals fans don't love, and like I saw him and I was just like. <laughs> I don't even care. Like I, I can't deal with it with this guy. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I never followed up on the details on that. Um, but he's a guy who's been kind of notorious for getting holding penalties. Uh, and he got one last weekend actually on a toss play. And it was a very legitimate hold. It was a toss play going the right direction. And he reached out and grabbed the linebacker. But um, yeah, so he did seem to solidify things a little bit. Uh. This was definitely a step back, competition-wise, from you know the Browns, the Chargers, and the Eagles. Those are some solid defensive lines, and we expect to see a solid defensive front this week in the Ravens. So, uh, you know, what they what they faced last week with Jacksonville was not that. So, we'll see what he can do uh, against you know up, upgraded competition. But you know, overall, I think the right side. Was the concern coming into the year? Uh, I think really everybody in the middle <laughs> struggled in the early games, uh, but they did start to kind of put some things together in the, in that last game. So hoping to kind of build on that momentum. Uh, I know last year, the first eight games of the year, they couldn't run the ball to save their lives. Uh, then they retooled some things. And I think Mixon had like 817 yards, I believe is the number over the last eight games. So, Hoping that, you know, this is a, a faster version of that, uh, that they they get going a little bit now and, and can get the run game going and also uh, keep the, the heat off of uh, QB1 back there.
5: Wait, let me ask you this, and, and the Billy Price pick is one I keep coming back to because I, I hate drafting centers in the first round for starters. But, you know, to draft a guy 21st, how do you see the Bengals self-examining what's happened? I, this is really a question more appropriate to Browns fans because they've—, they've That organization has blown a lot more number one picks than the Bengals have. But how do you see them self-evaluating and trying to learn from what bad number one picks they've made?
6: Yeah, and they wanted, uh, well, the the rumor was that they wanted Frank now, and the Lions traded up in front of them and got him. Uh, They went into that year with a bad situation on the offensive line. They traded back in the draft. Uh they switched they flopped picks with uh with the Buffalo Bills and picked up Cordy Glenn uh for, for switching picks and moving I want to say it was like nine picks back, mm-hmm. which could have been a brilliant move. You know, if they get Frank Rag now or they're getting, you know, a starting offensive lineman out of that, and then Cordy Glenn, you know, uh Courtney Glenn was still around you know, uh, and they're getting two for the price or one uh, that might've been worth it, but not the way it went. Really, really neither. One of those picks has, has worked out uh, for them. Uh, You know, price, they drafted him to play center. He didn't work out at center. He has been getting uh, some play at at guard. He started a handful of games at left guard last year. Uh, Started one game at right guard. We actually pretty good uh, against the dolphins. And then, uh, you know, for whatever reason this year, wasn't happening for him, but, um, you know, historically, they've they've drafted best available. Um, you know, I, I, there was a year, they kept traf- drafting corners in the first round, even though they yeah. didn't need them. And for the most part, it worked out for them. They got William Jackson out of that. They got uh, uh, Dark West Dennard, who they moved to slot, but he ended up being a very good slot. And then uh, Drake or Patrick, who... Never really lived up to being a first-round pick. But was it was a solid starter at, at corner uh, for for a long time. Uh, and this was yeah, like a, a bit of an impulse thing, you know. Where like, like they just decided they had to get that center. And um, very frustrating. I I, I liked Ragnow. If he was there. I would have been fine with it. I honestly was a little higher on Price than I was on, on James Daniels. So shame on me for that. Uh, but I feel like with with Price and Daniels there, you could have traded back, or you, you could have had a, somewhere like the early forties for your for your second round pick. So, you know, you, you had to feel like one of those guys was going to be around there, or you could just move up a, a couple of slots in the second round and get that guy. Um, so very disappointing. Hey, they could have had uh, they could have had Lamar Jackson there.
5: Yeah. Well, <laughs> so could have a lot of teams. Every almost yeah. everybody had a shot at him. Yeah,
6: that's that's the. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure every fan base is like this, but John Ross, even if John Ross is playing great, he would never outlive not being Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and, and Billy Price could uh, all of a sudden start at right guard next week and and uh, you know have a have a Pro Bowl year and you know nobody's ever going to forget that Lamar Jackson was there.
5: <laughs> all right, uh, wide receiver core, take us through individually uh, what they bring to the game, how you see them used differently. So really, wide receiver
6: one right now is Tyler Boyd, and uh, Boyd is an excellent slot receiver. hasn't really had the opportunity just with the way this this team has been over the last few years to, to showcase it. Uh, but I, I believe that he's one of the better receivers in in the uh, in the league. Uh, you know, fringe, top fifteen, top ten kind of kind of range potentially uh, in the right situation and as a as a big slot guy you know he's very he shares some similarities and the the types of things he does well with justin jefferson uh so natural fit for burrow to to hook up with boyd and i expect very big things out of boyd and as this relationship with Burrow continues to develop you know i i think we're going to see him as a guy that is talked about uh as one of, those, one of those top receivers in the league and, and is putting up some some serious numbers uh, you know, as we get into year two and beyond.
5: You know, this just jumps off the page at me, but it looks like Boyd is 13 of 14 on targets between 10 and 20 yards. He's a big part of what Burrow's done there. And Burrow's been outstanding. It's, it's, it's not just been him. But his overall catch rate is also excellent. I mean, his shorter passes, he's, he's caught most of them, as you would expect. And he's only 0 for 1 on balls over 20, which is a little surprising to me. Yeah, I
6: mean, that's the story of the Bengals right now with those. But two. only
5: one target. It's a little, that's that's low for Tyler Boyd, right? I mean, I still have visions of him running down the seam and taking the Ravens out of the playoffs. Sure, sure.
6: Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to bring that up, but. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I definitely we'd like to see them uh, get the deep ball going more in general. Um and, you know actually i just put together a film piece earlier today and i was looking at some situations where they're in third and long and the other teams in cover two. and i was why aren't we working in the middle of the field you know, a lot of the deep balls that they have attempted have been uh have been fades uh there have been a couple of slot fades but i don't even think that was Boyd. i'm trying to remember which i'm trying to remember what, what target boyd had that was over 20 yards but uh, i feel like the slot fades have been have been some of the other guys so um, for some reason, yeah, they don't really seem to be targeting that area of, of the field much, uh, but I mean, he's, he's great on those, on those dig routes, you know, coming across the middle um, and, you know, really feels a, a, a role that, that, uh, that's big with Burrow in, a, in an area that Burrow likes to target quite a bit. Um, the Bengals said over the, you know, in the pre-draft process, they said that they were going to uh, take some of what uh, Burrow liked at LSU and, and, make sure they highlighted it and incorporated it into into their offense and we've definitely seen some of that uh you know stylistically with some of the uh, some of the pass plays that they're that they're running in there um so that's going to be a great connection um I you know, I, I think this is the perfect scenario this is the perfect quarterback uh to bring out Tyler Boyd and really he is the the wide receiver one in, as far as that's concerned right now uh, T. Higgins, they drafted with the thirty-third overall pick this year. We talked about it a little bit already, but he is developing very quickly, uh, which is which is really promising for a receiver. The big issue with him, they saw him as a, as a uh, first-round pick. He didn't have good testing, and uh, that's probably why he was around there. So he's not necessarily a guy who's gonna gonna fly by you. Uh, but once they start connecting on some of these deep passes, you know, he's one of those guys that like an A.J. Green can play some of those uh, back shoulder fades and, and out jump guys and, and make some plays on some of those balls. So looking forward to, to seeing that. Uh, A.J. Green, he, they are targeting him like crazy. And, you know, they they want to get in the ball. And you see you see Joe going to him, uh, trying to trying to get him going. But right now it's just not happening. Um they say he's the same athletically. They say that that he's just gonna shake some of the rust off. To me, I think I think it's a Larry Fitzgerald situation where he's just a little bit older and maybe he needs to be more of a of a big slot than that outside receiver to to be successful and productive in the NFL for a few more years. And yeah, Tyler Boyd. So I, you know, I'm I'm not sure how that's really gonna work out. Um.
5: And looking at the two players here, Boyd, the, the passer rating throwing to him is 117, A.J. Green, 54.
6: Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're targeting him like crazy and, and you know, just not making uh, those connections. And there's a lot of times when it's, you see it and you're like, all right, well, Burrow, this wasn't a great throw, but Burrow put it somewhere. We had a chance to make a play on it. And that's an A.J. Green play. You know, mm-hmm. that that's what you're used to seeing him do is go up there and make those plays. I mean, there was one year where he, where he had uh, two consecutive weeks he caught hail mary
5: passes. Like, you know. right, well, one of them was probably against the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I think right. on that tip ball.
6: Yeah, so it's it's like, what do you you know? He, he just doesn't seem like he's AJ anymore. I, I think he can still be good, but I just don't think he's AJ uh, a- anymore. Um, Auden Tate was a seventh round pick a couple years ago. Big dude, um, and you know he's another guy that. that excellent hands can come up with some jump balls not a not a speed guy uh, and then the one guy that does have a, a you know a little bit of shake to him. is is mike thomas who they picked up as a free agent this year he seems to have a real nice rapport with with boyd as well uh was not as involved last week as he had been in previous weeks though
5: okay so Auden tate last year had one very big game against the ravens i think it was in baltimore he might have had about seven catches uh but i'm seeing he's only been targeted five times the whole year so he must not be getting a lot of snaps
6: yeah and and tate was uh now, Tate was a healthy scratch the week before Ross was, you know. So it, 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 I mean, it's tough right now because they're trying to do all this with AJ and they're not able to connect on it. You got AJ, you got Tyler Boyd, you got T Higgins, you got Mike Thomas, you got On Tate, you got John Ross, and then honestly, they're kind of blowing an active roster spot right now on Alex Erickson, mm-hmm. uh, who gets like three plays on offense, but he's their punt returner.
5: Gotcha. Gotcha. Special is he a special team's ace going the other way in terms of coverage kicks, covering kicks as well?
6: He he's doing it a little bit this year, but I mean not not really. Um, okay. you know, they've got Stanley Morgan Jr. on their practice squad who I'd rather see covering kicks, to be honest with you.
5: Right. Yeah, you know, every every once in a while, I don't know who fits this mold for Cincinnati, but the Ravens, they're great special teams players, are usually great kick coverage guys, but they hang around as two year special teams players, you know, two year contracts at a time. With the Ravens because they're guys who can also fill some smaller defensive role usually or potentially an offensive role as a as a you know occasional use receiver but more, most commonly it's a defensive role like your dime back and Anthony Levine is also a great special teams player or your you know mm-hmm. a, a backup inside linebacker is also a great special teams player it's because it's pretty common for linebackers to do that but do the, do the Ravens really have any sorry the Bengals really have anybody who meets that mold?
6: Um yeah, I mean, you know, Brandon Wilson we mentioned before, he re- returns kicks for them and uh, you know, very good in coverage. He, he's a he plays safety, you know, so he he naturally kinda has the skill set to cover kicks. He he covers punts as well. Um and he's really their fourth safety right now, but but he was their third safety before Sean Williams came back. Uh so he definitely fits into that mold. Uh I, I guess it's kind of a transition in your period right now, which which makes it a little bit difficult where uh Erickson had a larger role on the offense, but now they've attacked that position and added some guys, and he's he's down the pecking order offensively. Uh, but then they didn't really find anybody to fill that, that role returning punts. Uh, Sethan Carter uh, is a, is a third-string tight end fullback who does a lot of stuff on special teams. And, uh, you know, Sean Williams was the starter, started every game last year at, at safety, uh, but he's, good, he's a very good special teams for, player for them as well. And now he's the third safety and kind of more the, the, the dime safety. Uh, and then Jordan Evans is the one guy outside of Bynes. He's really the one guy that was, that was here two years ago uh, at linebacker. Uh, he's, he's actually stepping up at linebacker a little bit. He, you know, he's been buried behind some of these young guys, but he played pretty well with Logan Wilson out last week. Um, but he does some good things on, on special teams uh, as well. They lost a big one last year in in Clayton Fedulim, who went to uh, Miami. He was their personal protector, but but also played a lot of other roles on special teams and was their their uh, third safety. uh, And and he's moved on to Miami now. All righty,
5: let's let's move on to the running backs here uh, and the use of a fullback. I always like to talk about. So you know we know who the guys are in terms of Vixen and and, uh, Giovanni Bernard, of course. Talk about usage and scheme for those guys. Yeah, so I
6: think it's interesting when you, when you talk about usage uh, of a fullback, when we're talking about usage on special teams, you know, I think uh, the, the Ravens' use of the fullback and use of a three technique at fullback is genius. Uh, I think everybody should do it. Uh, the Bengals a couple of years ago were playing Sam Harbert at fullback. Robert, yeah. uh, now it's, it's moved on to Seathen Carter, that, that, that third tight end, who is, uh, who is playing that role. Uh, when they get into goal line situations – they also uh, they had an injury to C.J. Uzama, so uh, they're a little light at that position. Uh, they'll bring in an extra offensive lineman in those goal line situations to play tight end as well. Uh, first couple weeks it was uh, sixth round pick rookie Hakeem Adeniji from Kansas, uh, but since Fred Johnson's out of the lineup now, it, it, it has been Fred uh, was Fred Johnson last week. Uh, in terms of the, the running backs, uh, it's it's the Joe Mason show. Um, you know they, they just gave him a lot of money. They want to run the ball a lot with Joe Mixon, and occasionally use him in the pass game. <laughs> you know, I think they're getting him a little bit more involved in the pass game, but uh, not as much as, as as fans would like. But like that's what they want to be. They want to they want to run the ball with Mixon, and they want to play action pass. That's what they were able to do last week. What happens in the first few games, and what will happen in this game if if they give up a couple of early scores to the Ravens is. They just get out of that position to be able to run the football, and then it becomes a little bit more Giovanni Bernard. Uh, You know, Mixon is okay in pass protection, and he's good as a receiver. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is excellent uh, as a pass protector. Uh, Has very good hands. You know, real quick guy that you can use in a lot, a lot of different ways. So he's really like the true stereotypical, prototypical uh, third down back. Uh, It is Bernard. Uh, uh, Sometimes I'm watching uh, clips of the O-line, and the O-line's like there's a stunt in front of the O-line, and the O-line completely screws it up, and you see Gio, and he just like sorts it out, and then he picks up the linebacker that comes along. (laughs) You know, all this other stuff's going on in front of him, but he he makes his block, he gets his guy, even though he is is tiny. He is the smallest guy on the team, uh, but he can make those blocks.
5: Well, the Ravens have... Ravens fan have unfond memories of Bernard being moved up by Dalton into a sniffer role on that fourth and twelve play, and it, it, was, it was pre-snap. Dalton moved him up, you know, to basically be right behind the guard so he could pick up an a-gap blitz if it occurred. It actually didn't. Um, but but my fear on that play was, and I think what the Ravens' fear was also was that Bernard was going to be the really tough out to stop short of the sticks if they if they checked down to him, and they moved Eric Weddle up on the play. To, to invert their coverage. And I think effectively try and take Bernard out of that. Uh, and it uh, it obviously didn't work out and they ended up very exposed on the back end. And uh, they tried to drag that seam with uh, CJ Mosley. And it's just, it a, it's way too much of a disadvantage to try and do that when you have the guy up in the A-gap blitzing. Yeah.
6: Yeah, and, and he's a guy who's, you know, He's got the the versatility, you know. That he is he is a little dude, but you know it's a, it's a tough matchup for guys uh, because he's he's so quick out of his cuts, and you know probably better off with a the safety there. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, 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 he creates some some interesting mismatches for you, and like I said, he's, he's great uh, in terms of picking up the uh, the pass rush.
5: Okay, so that takes us through, I think, the running backs a little bit. We do kind of need to pick it up a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm really enjoying this conversation, enjoying all you have to say about this. But uh, they run mostly out of 11 currently. They don't, they don't put a fullback on the field very often, correct?
6: Yes. They were doing a little bit of 12 personnel early, but uh, CJ Uzama got injured, and uh, now it's mostly, mostly 11. A little bit of zero. Uh, they they uh, run a fair amount of empty, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and,
5: and sometimes they will actually do it with five receivers. Okay, so it's not just Mixon splitting wide on those plays. That's interesting. Uh,
6: well, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of both. They'll do that with Mixon and with Drew Sample, the tight end, uh, but but not uh, not exclusively. No.
5: Okay, and so in terms of how other teams have responded to that, when the, when the Bengals have their their most typical, probably eleven personnel on the field, are almost all teams responding with a standard nickel.
6: Uh, yeah, for the most part, yeah.
5: Okay. So that's, that's been a Raven strength over the years that they've finally gotten back to in the last couple of weeks is being able to stop the run pretty effectively out of the standard nickel against 11 personnel. So you know, obviously that's something we'll look forward to this weekend. Uh, is there anything else that's like common in terms of a player formation that comes up fairly often, uh, maybe bunches or anything like that, that that they do fairly often?
6: Yeah, they do a good amount of bunch. Uh, you know, this week they started a motion pre-snap uh, quite a bit more. And went to a lot more uh, jet sweeps, which I think really helped to open up the the running game uh, and hold some of those backside uh, pursuit defenders a little bit. Uh, they run a lot of air raid uh, concepts in the in the pass game. Uh, in, in terms of, of running, uh, they uh, they're, they're a zone team. Uh, they will do the the zone insert where they put the. They don't have a fullback, so the H back will be uh, blocking on the the backside inside linebacker uh, and creating a, a cutback opportunity. Uh, and then they run quite a bit of toss, uh, where with with the toss play when they when they run it to the strong side, they're they're gonna pull the uh, guard and, and center out in front, uh, and really trying to give Mixon an opportunity in space to be able to make it make a cutback and
5: make a play on that. Okay. All right, but it's often a two-man pull on those toss plays.
6: Uh, yes, to the strong side, yes. Uh, to the weak side, it was last year. But uh, you know, this year, they're, they're kind of free-releasing the guard up to the linebacker. They're not really pulling him, but they'll mm-hmm. pull the, the weak side tackle, uh, and they'll do a crack
5: block on it. Rough uh, percentage of zone-to-power runs? relationship based. I have that in front of you right now. I I no, that's okay. I just, day off the top of your head is just kind of <laughs> what you're what you think. Is it, you know, even or is it more zone, more power, what do they do?
6: Um I think they're sitting at about 50% inside zone right now and a little bit a little bit outside zone. Uh not a ton of power counter stuff, you know, really tosses the other big thing for them.
5: Okay. All right. All right, very good. Let's, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, one, the first thing I always like to get into are what are their, really their base defensive looks before you get into the individual players. So if the other team lines up in 12 or 21, what's the, what's the scheme that the Bengals usually counter with?
6: Well, like everybody else in the league, you know, there, there is no base because nickel is base. Yep. So uh, <laughs> they do run quite a bit of four-down nickel. But in the situation you're talking about, it against a team like the Ravens, they're probably going to be in their in their three-four look more most often. Um, it's kind of a funky three-four where uh, the the it's really a it's really a five-two, uh, you know, because uh, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, Carlos Dunlap, those guys are your outside linebackers in that situation. They bring in an extra defensive tackle when they take off uh, when they, when they take the nickel uh, corner off the field. Um, this year, there's been a lot of, of bare fronts uh, out of that with a, a, a zero technique uh, and uh, two threes. So, you know, one guy over the center and then guys in, in sure. both uh, B gaps. Uh, they'll do a little bit of what I call eagle as well, where it's the, essentially the same thing, but uh, but the the nose tackle is, is shaded. Uh, last year, there was a decent amount of under, but I haven't seen a, a ton of uh, under front uh, out of them from that look this year.
5: All right. Always interesting to hear that. And the other thing you mentioned was that they seem to be, from the from the platooning and bringing in Akeem Davis-Gaither and Logan Wilson on third down, that sounds like kind of a committed nickel team. But then you also mentioned a dime back a little bit earlier. I just kind of want to get a sense of how often do the Bengals go to the dime?
6: Not a ton. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to change, and I don't know if this will be the week for it to change, but uh, just because Sean Williams was was out the first couple of weeks, but but he was a, a, a pretty good, reliable player for them um, last year as, as the starter at safety. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think Von Bell was really better underneath. So I, I would like to, I, I could definitely see them when they're in long yard situations, especially if they want to go to a cover four or cover two or something like that bringing in Sean Williams to play the, the deep field and leaving uh, bell in to match up on a, on a tight end or a slot or something uh, along those lines. Last year, they ran it a little less than 20% of the time. Uh, I believe it was their, their third most common uh, defensive front, uh, okay. most common being being nickel and uh, the second, second most being that uh, that three, four personnel.
5: Okay. So that's, that's, that's fairly common now in the NFL today, of course. Um, the, the dime, I I got this interesting story. I always want to talk to old Bengals fans about this to see what they remember. But, um, obviously, uh, Lewis was there for a very long time as the head coach and he was our defensive coordinator in 2000 and ran an unbelievable amount of very light packages. And it's not remembered that way, even by Ravens fans, but they ran 34 and a half percent dime and quarter packages. They ran 55 snaps during the earlier season with seven DBs on the field. And it wasn't just they're always their way ahead or something it was that was a standard third and four third and six kind of package they would run when marvin went to the bengals and obviously he spent a year in in dc too but when he went to the bengals i assumed the bengals would go to lots of that and particularly since the bengals pass rush was so effective it might make a really good fit for them to have seven good pass defenders or six good pass defenders. On a high percentage of snaps behind that, and I the the how for those years that Marvin was there, how much did he meddle in the defensive coordinator's playbook to try and go to more DB heavy packages, or did he at all?
6: I think he was pretty hands off, to, to be honest with you. Um, you know they they had Leslie Frazier there the first year, and and it was actually a pretty big surprise that uh, that Marvin fired him. Um, after the after the season, um, but especially in you know the last half of his tenure uh, you know with, with, with Zimmer, uh, you know Zimmer was a guy he, you know he, he put a lot on and gave a lot to. So um, I don't I don't think he was I think he was a little bit more of a of a manager uh, than than really being uh, actively involved in the defense from from what I've taken from things.
5: That would be very hard to do. If, if I were him, I don't know how I could lay off, You know, given all the success he had as a defense sure. coordinator in Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and, and wow. <laughs> I, I couldn't
6: believe that uh, uh, Takeo Spikes was a free agent the year that, that they brought Marvin in, and he mm-hmm. went to Buffalo. Like, h- how do you not say, this guy coached Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. I'll give him a year. You know,
5: <laughs> you know what I mean?
6: Just, <laughs> just see what happens, but yeah.
5: Try and figure it out. Yeah, he's a good player for a long time. Um, okay, well, let's let's go back into the, the other things. Let's talk first of all about the you know pass rush scheme and personnel and uh, tell us how they refit on third down.
6: So uh, yeah, three uh, see me uh, on third down,, uh, they're gonna take Sam Hubbard, who is a defensive end for them, and they're gonna move him around. Uh, lots of times he gets kicked in and he plays defensive tackle, and then they'll have Carlos Dunlap and Lawson on on the ends. Um, but occasionally, they'll put him at Mike linebacker and they'll uh, what they would do a lot of last year was they put him right behind Geno Atkins and the two would play a little game on that on that oh, a sure. guy t- together uh, so you know Hubbard's a guy that he's not he's not an extraordinary player you know he's, he's not like wow look at look at that guy but he's a guy that he does so many things well uh, that that he's a really useful uh, versatile piece for them and yeah they, they, they'll kick him in they'll Generally on third down they're going to be in a in the nickel or a dime and it's going to be a four man uh, front for them. Uh, although earlier in the year uh, they were running a little bit light on um, uh, in their uh, in their dime package and actually leaving an extra linebacker in the field and only having three. Uh, so that's the other thing they can do is they, when they have that three man look they'll leave those young linebackers on the field. And both of those guys can blitz. You know, we, we've seen it uh, mm-hmm. on on this college tape, particularly out of Akeem Davis Gaither. Uh, but they'll send one off the edge. They'll send one up the middle. Uh, they'll do four down front, and they'll they'll put both those guys uh, in the a gap. They may drop off. They may not. Mm-hmm. So you know, they'll do they'll do a few different things like that, trying to uh, trying to at least influence that offensive line on third down. Uh, really they're missing something without geno atkins though i mean uh, not clear not looking good for this weekend (laughs) from what i'm hearing um not clear when he's gonna be back but uh without atkins they're really missing something in terms of the uh inside pass rush
5: right i mean obviously he's tormented the ravens over the years obviously were, we're happy to miss him if uh <laughs> if you should care to take a week off but uh but we understand um so what you mentioned earlier is more like a 32 dime look they had where they had three on the line of scrimmage and two inside linebackers behind them
6: uh yeah so so last year it was more of a four down uh four down big dime where they w- they were bringing in an extra safety mm-hmm. uh, and this year um it, it, they have been doing a little bit of, a little bit of three down uh dime and leaving an extra backer I think because they have those young Linebackers, and they know they can blitz some of those guys, and, and they're uh, you know just trying to get the best advantage they they can that way in terms of having more speed on the field. Okay,
5: hey, Ravens played that for one year, but there have been very few teams which have really gone a thirty-two dime in the time since Dallas played it for a little while. But there really haven't been a lot of teams that have that have done it. That's interesting. Uh, yeah,
6: and, and I think it's uh, you know it's the impact of having those uh, those young linebackers who you know definitely bring some versatility to them.
5: Let's let's talk individually about the defensive linemen and and go through that. I think we talked a little bit about the linebackers already. We'll probably skip that, but take us through the defensive line first.
6: Yeah. Uh, so you know, we we talked about Hubbard, and he's a versatile piece. Really, it's Hubbard and and Dunlap are are basically the, the starting defensive ends, and Lawson is a little bit more of a rotational piece. He can play the run, you know, and I think he's shown some things against the run. Uh, but going back to the Marvin Lewis days, they they believed that less was more with him. They could get more out of him from from limiting his snaps a little bit. Um, it, he's an excellent pass rusher, though. Really, he's got that that inside hump move where he strong arms with the the inside arm and, and comes inside. Uh, really, uh, you know, really excellent when he when he puts that together. Uh, both, well, really, all three of those guys uh, become outside linebackers in that in that three four package and. You do see them dropping off. You do see them in coverage, uh, you know, standing up, uh, defending on the edge. I think, I think Hubbard does a little bit more of that stuff. And, I'm, and I think they, they kind of scheme it up to, to send the other guys more often because Hubbard has some versatility. Um, but yeah, they, they all do that. Uh, and then without Geno inside, you know, it's a good thing they brought in DJ Reader. He's been very good against the run, but this team has just been so banged up. They brought in Mike Daniels. Uh, Mike Daniels uh, is is now on IR. Uh, they've, they're playing guys like Imani Bledsoe, uh, and who's a younger guy, really should be more of a depth, developmental type of piece. Uh, and and you know these guys are, are getting involved, and and they uh, they're really not ready. You know, so they're they're very thin on the internal uh, defensive front there. Oh, well,
5: you when you see that happen, and the Bengals, it it doesn't appear. Even the, with Burroughs' apparent, you know, greatness, that they're going to contend this year. Do you have a problem with a trial by fire for somebody like Bledsoe? Uh, we had it last year with Ferguson while you were trying to respond, and I actually was pretty positive on it.
6: Yeah, I'm, honestly, I think that's kind of what they're doing with the with the linebackers. You know, um, Wilson and and Davis Gaither are, are making mistakes. But you know they got to make them. You know you got to see reps. Young guys need reps. So uh, you know guys that you believe in, put them out there. You know and and, and let it happen. Let them get those reps. And um, you know they gotta they gotta see it. You know they got they gotta get live reps. And that's really the only way to get better is to make these mistakes. So might as well make them now instead of a uh, you know next year. And hopefully they're they're competing competing for the playoffs. All
5: right, there you go. Um, okay, we talked a little bit about the linebackers and the, the younger guys. Uh, in particular is there anybody else we didn't mention with the linebacker group you talked about josh Bynes a little bit anybody else needs to be mentioned
6: uh, i think i kind of brushed over jermaine pratt he was their third round pick out of uh north carolina state in 2019 um and he took over the starting role about halfway through last year so really he and Bynes are the, are the two on the early downs he, he did some good things against the past two though uh so I'm a little surprised that they they don't leave him in on some of those uh, some of those plays, uh, but but yeah, he's been uh, a solid player for them and, and seems to be kind of developing nicely after after his rookie year.
5: Okay, all right, he'd be the kind of guy I'd really want to see what we had too if if uh, if we had him. Uh, how about the secondary? Yeah, so
6: you've got William Jackson, uh, who I think is playing very well this year. Of course, you know Ravens fans probably. Only seen the Bengals uh, on Thursday Night Football this year, so uh, you see you see him out there competing with uh, OBJ, and I think he did pretty well with that. But OBJ is going to get you sometimes, so uh, so he definitely had some low moments in that game. Uh, but but I think I think Jackson's a real good, uh, real good corner for them. Excellent tackler, like out of nowhere this year. All of a sudden, he's, he's like a really good tackler too. Um, it's kind of an interesting aspect of. of the way they play defense is, I feel like their corners are get in the box a lot. Uh, <laughs> more so their slots, but but you see uh, some of these, uh, some of the corners even uh, right on the edge of the box and come up and, and defend on the run. You're like, geez, should we be doing that? But it works out for them all right. Um, McKenzie Alexander they brought in uh, to play the slot. He was injured last week as well, so we'll we'll see if he's back. But he's looked pretty good this year, uh, both both in coverage and in run support. Uh, With with him out, uh, Darius Phillips moved from outside corner into the slot last week. Real speedy dude. Um, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if he he played against the Ravens last year or not. He was injured the first part of the year, uh, but played eight games last year and had four picks. Like guy guy makes plays, guy you know figures out how to get around the ball. He's the guy that a lot of people would like to see as the punt returner uh, taking out, uh, Alex Erickson's role. Uh, but, you know, real, real, really a playmaker back there, but just seems to be a, a step short a lot this year. And I don't know if that is that he's a little banged up or, or what it is, but he just seems like he's just a step behind where you want him to be. Uh, LaShawn Sims played a little bit on the outside last week, as, as Phillips had to move inside. Um, and, and he was a little bit behind as well. I just felt like he was a little bit slow to, to respond. So hopefully they're, they're back at full capacity next week. Uh, Jesse Bates, we talked about in, in the intro, so I won't get too deep into him. But he's uh, a guy, they got him in the second round a couple years ago in the draft. And, and to me, he was one of the best deep field. He's probably the best deep field safety in that draft. I feel like a lot of times when we're evaluating prospects for some reason, even though it's a passing league, we get really, really excited about box safeties.
5: Oh, I I want the center fielder. That's the guy you generally have to spend a first round pick on. And Bates is a marvelous value in round two. Yeah. Number 54 overall.
6: Yeah. Yeah, Real, real ball hawk back there. Uh, Had some problems tackling around the year, but you know, hopefully, hopefully it's we're not relying on him to make a lot of tackles back there. Uh, Von Bell is the starter at strong safety. He is kind of the opposite. He's a better box guy, you know, real, real tough guy, good tackler, uh, can come inside the box or, or just rock down on the on the edge. Uh, Sean Williams is a little bit of an in between guy. Bengals fans were a little bit down on on this guy last year, but I, honestly, I felt like they were playing him too much in the box, uh, and and he was kind of almost playing a linebacker type of role last year so i think he'll he'll be better off in a reserve role where they can bring him in in situations where they want him to play uh in the deep field actually I'll give you an example so of how is, they is, he about is he a back end
5: is he a back end half field dime or would you i mean he's, i see 60212 and i'm thinking if you know he's fast obviously too but wouldn't he be pretty good as a as a pure dime back on third downs to as opposed to say a linebacker
6: yeah, so I, I think he can play. I just don't want to see him in the box. And, and they were okay. getting him actually in the box like a linebacker too much. And and you know uh, I forget what the numbers on it were, but uh, but you know like PFF was actually considering him a linebacker a lot of the time uh, last year. Yeah. So I, I think he can rock down and be outside. And I think he can play the deep field. I think he's pretty good at the deep field uh, as well. Uh, and to give you an example of how they feel about Bell, uh, if you if you've broken down the Eagles game and, and you saw the touchdown they gave up to the Eagles right before the half they were playing cover two but it was a version of cover two where Von Bell was rocked down and he was really like the the Tampa Mike Backer uh-huh. uh, running the deep middle Mackenzie Alexander was the slot lined up over the slot and he Turned and run, turned and ran, and he was the uh, the cover two safety essentially. So he's playing a deep field from there. So I think that was their way of using their personnel and saying, hey, we feel more comfortable with Alexander in a deep half than we do with Von Bell. So I'm hoping with Williams back, you know, they won't have to get that crazy that exotic with things. And if they want to be in a cover two, that they can, uh, you know, put Williams on the field.
5: Okay, well, I, I definitely think Bates is the rare commodity, obviously, and, and you wouldn't, I'm sure you wouldn't dispute that in any way. But he's certainly the best safety. But just in general, you know, you see teams pick up ten safeties sometimes, and you know, in camp or anyway, they might have eight. And and of those guys, you've only got one guy who's really a good center field candidate among all of them. And and it should tell pe- tell people, you know, teams need to focus on getting a center fielder with that top pick. But uh, it's just—I I agree with you. I think people overvalue what players bring in the box in terms of their run fits and how you know we'll be able to stop the run with a nickel and a, as if that's really the the centerpiece to to playing great defense in the NFL these days.
6: Yeah, and you know I don't know how many like you said it's a rare commodity. I don't know how many really good center field players there are out there. I think there's a lot of value to. um back in the day what the, what the 49ers did and uh, you know, more recently what, what the Patriots did with, with uh, Ronnie Lott and, and Devin McCourty. You know, take a corner, you know, and if you've got a corner who's really smart and can do some things, you know, move him back there. I, right. I, I, Devin McCourty had a very good rookie year at corner and a not so good uh, second year at corner, uh, but I, I still believe that Devin McCourty could be a very solid corner in this league. No, but they were smart enough to, to realize that he could be an, an elite safety. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes you got to be creative with what you're getting out of college.
5: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, okay, let's, let's talk specifically about this game in terms of defending Jackson, Brown, and Andrews. Obviously, Jackson kind of had his way with the Bengals in the second game last year. I think Andrews did as well. Um, how, how did the Bengals handle that kind of speed?
6: Well, that was interesting last year, due to uh, <laughs> due to the pandemic, I uh, had a lot of time on my hands, so <laughs> I went through and I broke down, uh, I broke down all the Bengals games last year's offense and defense, and I actually broke down the Ravens' offense as well. Made a couple of videos out of that, but uh, it was interesting that the first matchup with the Ravens was the majority of the time that the Bengals ran four-three defense all year, mm. uh, that that personnel group, so. I think they came out in that first game and they, they thought, well, we don't want to have a nickel on the field, but we don't want to have the extra defensive lineman. They thought they were smart putting that extra linebacker. Uh, and, and that was problematic. Uh, <laughs> we'll just say that. Uh, and, and, you know, the second game, they they were doing a little bit more of what they do uh, in, in terms of running uh, running some nickel uh, and, and quite a bit of that, uh, that five down look, that 3-4 that look. Uh, so that's what I would expect. That's how they try and stop the run. Uh, is is with that that three four, uh, bare front look. Uh, I think I think they'll definitely see a lot of that. They have run a lot of cover one. I really hope they're smart enough to not run to not run cover one uh, against Lamar Jackson because I I want all eyes on that guy when we're, when they're in coverage, mm-hmm. um, because they've let quarterbacks get away from them. Uh, and that's something. That's the other thing that hurt them against the, the Eagles was uh on on the last drive of regulation they they let uh they let uh, wentz escape the pocket and run and pick up a first a couple of first downs with his legs and as we all know carson wentz may be able to pick up first downs with his legs but you're going for a 50 yard touchdown if you're giving that much room to lamar jackson so uh hopefully it's a little bit more zone um I, i'm interested to see if they try the dime stuff as we talk about uh, the skill set of, of Von Bell and, and Sean Williams, if they you know try and use those as is, is their de facto outside linebackers, they have a little bit more speed in the field. But it's it's definitely going to be a, a huge challenge stopping that run game uh, because this this team has had a lot of just mental breakdowns. Uh, just one guy out of out of position, one guy out of the hole. And as you know, you run an option offense. That's that's trouble you know what you look for <laughs> when, when you're
5: having those types of breakdowns all right well that's uh that's some great stuff is there a player that you think really matches up well against the Ravens yeah offense or defense
6: I, I think Boyd could be an interesting one be, because as you pointed out a lot of his uh you know he, he's very good in that middle range and he's very good over the middle uh so in particular if they can if they can run the ball and uh, hold those linebackers a little bit. I think, I think Boyd, uh, you know, with a young queen in there uh, could have some opportunities to, to be able oh, to yeah. you know, get open and, and, and find some seams there. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a good place for, for Burrow to be able to go with the football too.
5: Boy, if you want to be optimistic about the Bengals chance, read my defensive article from this last week and see what Patrick Queen did. The guy is, he is completely (laughs) lost in coverage, completely lost. Had a great game, 12 tackles, seven defensive wins among those tackles that he contributed to three tackles for loss, which is, you know, it's a remarkably high total for an inside linebacker, but he, he had five breakdowns on the field where there's a demonstrable action by another defender to either reposition him or scold him after the play and all in coverage <laughs> unbelievable i've never seen it before so anyway take a take a look at that if you want to if you want to be yourself before the game definitely <laughs> matt we loved having you on here this is a great discussion uh tell us a little about where where people can find your work and twitter anything else you'd like to plug yeah so
6: I, basically all my stuff gets to twitter at some point so it's at coach minick c-o-a-c-h-m-i-n-i-c-h uh, and probably the best place to find me, I, I write for Cincy Jungle, but our, our YouTube page is called Orange and Black Insider. And that's where I do a lot of video breakdowns, mostly Bengals stuff. Like I said, I broke down all the Ravens games over the, uh, uh, over the course of the, uh, the spring uh, when, I, when I couldn't go to work. So, <laughs> uh, So Good. I've actually got three Ravens videos out there, too. Uh, breaking down uh, their their offensive running game, uh, their use of formations and motions, and then I did a, a 12 minute video that specifically focused on two back, uh, uh, two and three man backfields, uh, and the things they did out of those. So, uh,
5: will uh, you send me links of that? I will post the links on my Twitter and make sure that Ravens fans get a hold of them because I'm sure they'd love to see your analysis of that. Yeah,
6: absolutely, absolutely. So. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that, that's good. I was just going to say you had to dig a little bit to find all that old stuff. But, uh, but yeah, you, you definitely might enjoy that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's probably the best place to find
5: me. Okay. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much for being on here. Josh, anything you we need to plug or talk about?
4: Uh, no, we got to buy the numbers coming out tomorrow, as well as uh, all the articles and previous podcasts from this week are all on filmstudybaltimore.com. Oh, True offensive so just... line
5: article just went up today with the, with the scoring from uh, week four. Uh, if you want to look at how those, those newly allocated tackles worked out this last week.
4: All right. And then always rate, review the show. That helps us out a lot. And share it as well. So, All right. We will talk next week, or I guess Friday, by the numbers.
3: At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select-bagged mulch, now starting at just two eighty-eight dollars a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.